Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable right now, we're going to take a look at the new book written by Cher Matchin, titled Why Not Now? 30 Challenges for a Better You. It's an impactful memoir to help inspire positive change in your life, and I get to find out all about it. The author, Cher, is sitting right here with me now. Cher, welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be talking with you and to be finding out about this book, Why Not Now? Cher, can you tell me about it? Well, the title comes from everybody has dreams and things that they want to do. And I was being coached by a life coach and she kept asking me all these questions. And I would say, ah, oh, maybe later. And we kept coming up with the solution of why not now? So that kind of inspired me to say, you know what, why not now? Why wait for dreams and things that you want to do and changes that you want to make? Just do it now. So my book kind of goes through steps of self-help and it helps you to make changes small or big, however big or small you want to go immediately. So there are things that you can do right now. Hmm. Was this for a broad audience or did you have a certain readership in mind? Mostly adults. I actually am just finishing my teen version. So I do think that mostly adults would appreciate this type of self-help and the questions that's actually designed as kind of a journal, has promptings, questions that they can fill out and steps that they can take. Fantastic. Well, Cher, can you go back and think about what sparked the inspiration to get started on this book? You know, oddly, I, about 20 years ago, decided to write a book and I waited and waited and waited. And then, so that also inspired me to say, you know, I should have just done it back then when I had all these ideas. So I had kept a little journal of just little stories in my life that I thought, you know what, this would make a good change for somebody. And so there's stories throughout it that kind of hopefully make you laugh and make you reflect on yourself, but it's a simple read. But it definitely hopefully inspires people to make some changes and prompts them what direction to go. Cher, what does your writing background look like? Do you have a lot of experience in writing and publishing, or are you fairly new to it? This is my first book to be published. Oh, congrats. I did take a couple courses two times in my life, different schools to write, and I've actually always liked to write. I just didn't have the time and place for it. So at this time in my life, this is kind of what I want to do. It's my time. <laughs> now is my time. <laughs> I just finished this one. Like I said, I just finished the teen version. I'm going to move on to have a series of them. I'm going to do one on emotional eating. I'm also going to do one on loss, losing somebody special in your life and how to regain life after that, you know, which steps to take. And then the third one that I plan on continuing on to do is finding love again after you've lost somebody or had a divorce later in life, finding love. So I've got lots of plans. I'm very excited to keep writing. I really love what you're doing here, Cher. You're taking the things that you've went through and experienced in your life, and you're using that to reach out and help people. I, I really like your heart for helping. Oh, thank you. And I hope they get a good laugh, too. Some of my stories are quirky, and some of them are odd, but I hope that it inspires people to say, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> we are kind of all weird, aren't we? And that's a good thing. So hopefully it makes them feel good about themselves. Hmm. 
How long of a process are we talking about here from when you first started writing it clear up until it got published? That's a very good question. It took me at least two years. I started, like I said, with a course many years ago, never did anything with it. Then I took another course more recently, about two years ago, and then it just fell into place. It just started going so fast. And now I think that writing part of my brain is turned on. And I, like I said, I have all these plans to have other books and different volumes coming out. So it hasn't stopped since then. But it was a long process. And even when I gave it to the publishers, it does take a while for that process to be completed on their side as well. It must have been a crazy moment for you whenever your first copy came in the mail and you got to hold your very first book for the very first time. Cher, can you tell me about that? Yeah, it is amazing. It is fun. (laughs) And I hope it inspires people and people have fun with it. There's actually 30 challenges and it's kind of designed to go maybe one a day, hopefully. If not, then at least, you know, one a week. But it's kind of ready for people to just take off with it. The title is Why Not Now? 30 Challenges for a Better You. This is written by Cher Matchin and is published by Covenant Books. So it's available everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Cher, it's been wonderful having you on the show tonight and finding out all about your work. Thanks again for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, and I hope they enjoy, and I hope they'll reach out to me and let me know what they thought about it. The Trident and the Pillars of Poseidon. It's an exciting new book that follows a group of archaeologists looking for the city of Atlantis. It's co-authored by Frederick C. Durando, Ph.D., and Joe Rise. And I get to find out more about this book. Frederick is here with me now. Frederick, welcome. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share this with your listeners. I appreciate your time, Frederick. Can you tell me all about the Trident and the Pillars of Poseidon? Well, (laughs) there's two dialogues that go back to ancient times. They were written by a Greek philosopher by the name of Plato. He wrote many short dialogues two of which deal with the subject of Atlantis, which was more of a civilization than a city, though today the two kind of interchangeably mixed. He described in narrative format the lifestyle of the people, what was important to them, how they conducted business, and quite a bit of detail about the physical construction of what he described as an island. The book here tries to make a case for the idea that archaeologists have not been looking for in the right place. The right place is about 70 miles south of the Cuban city of Havana, Hmm. underneath the Bay of Batabano. And the book does go into some detail about comparing what Plato wrote in terms of a physical description of the island in the area that the city was located in. The book also suggests a way of finding it, meaning a way of physically researching to find it. One of the hallmarks of the island was in the center. It was an island that was composed of several concentric little islands. The center island had a temple on it, and it also had one, at least one primary pillar, which was described as containing the laws of Poseidon. The book hypothesizes, just for the sake of the story, that the pillar that sticks out of the sand underneath the Bay of Barabano, and by way of magnetic and gravimetric techniques, though the book doesn't go into that, it can be located from the surface. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, Frederick, what sparked the idea for this book? How did the idea come about? Well, I saw a movie made by uh, George Powell in 1961 called Atlantis, The Lost Continent. 
And uh, I was only nine years old at the time. And something about it just grabbed my attention. And uh, then a few years later in high school, when I was 16 years old, I spent a bit of time looking at archaeology books about Mayan, about Inca, about Aztec, and about the Egyptian civilizations from the libraries of the local universities here. And I was very dissatisfied with what I read and with the conclusions that the archaeologists had reached. I thought that they were very short-sighted and based on too small an amount of evidence. And so for the last 55 years or so, I've been toying with the idea of what it would take to find it and where it would be located. There's thousands of hours of research, both in terms of reading and looking at maps and doing many other things involved in it. So it's comparable to the work that would go into a humanities PhD. Wow. Well, Frederick, have you ever done anything like this before, like publishing and writing, things like that? Well, when I did research, which I did at Rutgers Medical School in the 1980s, yeah, I have publications of, related to different biochemical topics from the 1980s. So my training is as a scientist, as a research scientist. It's not as a book writer. It's not in the humanities. My background is technical. I currently teach chemistry at college. My focus is very technical. When it came to the publishing end of things and everything that was involved in that, Frederick, what was the most challenging part of that for you? <laughs> publishing this book was quite the challenge. What I did was I got a ghost reader, that's uh, Joseph Rise, whose name's also on the book. Since that's not my area, writing, I recruited someone to do that for me, having given them the layout of the story. I did write it myself, not in its entirety, but half of the book, and I was not satisfied with it. So I resorted to the ghostwriter method for completing the book, thinking that, you know, they would add an element of mystery and suspense and of unpredictability that really is not part of my day-to-day -day operation. Well, this book truly tells an interesting story. I think readers are really going to love it. Again, this is titled The Trident and the Pillars of Poseidon. It's written by Frederick C. Durando, Ph.D., and Joe Rise. And it's published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can get it everywhere where you normally pick up your books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and down the street, it's your local bookshop. Well, Frederick, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me about how this book came together. It's such an interesting premise. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it. I hope your readers enjoy it. It's not a particularly long book. <laughs> the new book, written by Doris Strout, it's titled Miracles for Richard, and it's a true story of some challenges faced and conquered with God's help. And I get to find out more about the book. The author, Doris, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Doris, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Doris, can you tell me all about Miracles for Richard? What can people expect here? Well, I'll just tell you. I started writing down the things in his life and putting it in a folder, and my husband kept on to me about doing something with it. So I finally got around to writing a book telling people that God is still in the business of miracles. Mm -hmm. He had many miracles in his life, and I just wanted to share them with the rest of the world. Can you give us a little background, Doris, about the story of Richard? Well, he came into this world a miracle, <laughs> and it tells about it in the book. From there forward, many miracles occurred. When he was shot in the line of duty as an Atlanta police officer, we watched another miracle take place in his life. We were told he wouldn't live, and if he did, he wouldn't have any kind of a life, and that we would have to change our lifestyle. And I told the doctors, you don't know my God. Mm. He's in the business of miracles, and I know that Richard's going to be okay. Long story short, another miracle. 
Doris, what persuaded you to write this book? What was the inspiration to write the story? Well, you know, the world is in a terrible state right now. It was when I was doing the writing, and I just felt like that the world needed to know that there is a God and that He loves us very much and that He answers prayer, and not always the way we want it, but He answers prayer and He performs miracles. And that just because you're not me or you're not Richard doesn't mean you won't have a miracle in your life. You don't have it because you haven't asked. Doris, would you then say that this is a book for a broad audience, or did you have sort of a readership in mind for it? Everybody. It starts off with him as a child, and everybody loves stories about children. Mm. And he had some antics in his life that were funny. And, you know, I put a little humor in the book, and everybody likes humor. And I just think it's for anybody that would enjoy a book. What does your writing background look like, Doris? Have you done any writing or publishing prior to this? No. I've always thought about writing children's books because I have grandchildren that I would make up stories for to put them to bed. (laughs) So I've always thought about writing children's books, and I may still, you know, have something out there. And one of my granddaughters urged me to write a book giving my son's perspective of his life rather than mine. So I've thought about that, too. Fantastic. But how long of a process was it to write and publish Miracles for Richard? The publishing took longer than the writing. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. You have to go through so many things to get things correct. And I'm a grammar nut, and I didn't want to have the grammar in the book to be wrong. I've read many books that have had some grammar errors. And, you know, doing the publishing, you have to check everything. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't that long writing it because I had, you know, put notes aside all along. And so putting it together took a little while. But if you're out there and you want to write a book, write it. Go for it. It's worth it. Absolutely. Well, it must have been a really special day when your first copy of this came in, Doris, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it. What was that like? It was fantastic. I read it myself after I had written it several times because I guess I enjoyed going back through the era of him growing up and going through these miracles. And He carried the Olympic torch. Oh, wow. And he carried the Paralympic torch. Those were special times, too. So it was exciting when it was all in print. So this is your first book, Doris. Now you're a published author. What's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? Well, it's exciting because I've already had people telling me about the book, about how they enjoyed reading it. In fact, one of my friends said she loaned it to her sister and she read it twice. And it's a short read, but it's entertaining and heart-touching, or that's the way I feel about it. Well, I think readers are going to be blessed by this book. The title, again, is Miracles for Richard. It's written by Doris Strout. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it anywhere. Go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find it. Doris, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about Miracles for Richard. I had a nice time talking with you. I had a nice time talking with you, Corey, and thank you so much. When I Ask Jesus Into My Heart, that's the new book. It just came out, written by Howie Rubin, and it's the book we're going to talk about right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The author, Howie, is sitting right next to me. Howie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect whenever they open up When I Ask Jesus into my heart? Well, 
I will tell you a little bit about myself and my uh, upbringing. You'll definitely experience the fact that I encourage one person to have the faith to ask Jesus into their heart and watch the miracles that unfold before them and see how their lives will be transformed and to have them share their stories and encourage others to do the same. And it won't take long before this world will be filled with love as Jesus spoke about. And that's really why I wrote this book. Now, can you go back and think about that time when you got the spark for it? Was there something in specific that made you decide you wanted to write it? Well, actually, it was during the pandemic, of all things. And I had written a book prior to that, and I had done a board game. And friends had been asking me, when am I going to write a book again? And I started to reflect on this journey that I had back in 1975 when I was 20 years old, traveling around England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. And it was somewhere in Ireland, a little bit north of the Ring of Kerry. And I was with a friend. He was in the restroom, the bathroom, the loo. And I just picked up the Bible and opened it up. And there was a chapter and verse that said, would you like Jesus into your heart? Wow. And I thought for a moment, and it said, if you'd like Jesus in your heart, avoid sin, temptation, and stealing. And I thought, I could do that. And that was the impetus for me to start writing my story. I'm also a licensed racehorse trainer, and I wanted to include how so many wonderful things have happened in my life since 1975, and I've been blessed to follow and pursue my dreams, uh, culminating to me ultimately now being a licensed racehorse trainer. I think I heard you say that you had written before and published before, Howie. So this isn't the first time you've been published. No, my first book was called Dads, and I had the pleasure of taking care of my father in his last year and a half of life. And while we were together, I started thinking about, you know, I wasn't always the son that he may have wanted, so to speak. I mean, he wasn't the ideal son, but yet I said he was still there for me. And I thought, you know, he always provided a safe place for me to grow and food and things of that nature. And I thought, you know, I'm going to write a book saying thank you. And then I did some research on dads and I found there weren't very many of them. This was back in 2000. And then I made it multicultural because I said it was more than white fathers, so to speak, or white dads that were doing the right thing. And it started from infant to teenage life, the activities, the positive portrayal of fathers. And that was the other book. I'm going to republish that one. I'm bringing that one back out. So that hopefully will be out there by Father's Day. But back to when I asked Jesus into my heart. Howie, when it comes to the publishing end of things, so many things involved there, what did you find the most challenging part of that for you? Finding somebody to work with. Mm. Certainly, as a, what I call a vanity press, you're trying to find somebody that could relate to you and your story. Also, I think some things that authors may encounter if they're interested in writing a book is, well, how do you get started? And I always say the easiest way to uh, you know, get on your feet is to get off your butt and just start from where you are. I carry a little memo pad, and when the creative process strikes me, I write down what I would call bullet points. Just say something, and it was Ireland, and then say horse-drawn carriage, uh, the Ring of Kerry, or Dublin, or um, Stonehenge. And then if you can, you go back to those bullet points, and then you write a paragraph. And again, if you find what you call writer's block, you move on to the next and move you know it. You've got pages. That would be how I would encourage anybody to, if they were ever thinking of doing this, because everybody has a story to tell. That's the joy of life, you know? Absolutely. I believe that the endless possibilities of life, that's one of the things that I'd say. And I also say, be a nice person and don't be afraid to live your life. You know, follow your dreams. I love it. Well, I think readers will be blessed by this book. Again, it's titled, 
When I Ask Jesus Into My Heart. It's written by Howie Rubin and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So go anywhere that you normally go to pick up your books, like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you'll be able to get this. Well, Howie, thanks again so much for joining me and telling me all about this. I had a nice time talking with you. Well, thank you very much, and I really appreciate your time with me and helping to spread the word. That's really what it's all about, so I appreciate your time, sir. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm really happy to be joined by author Joan Rishmail. Joan, welcome. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to have you here. It's so exciting. You have a new audio book out titled Walking in the Footsteps of Christ. So can you tell me what the book's all about? Corey, I feel this book is an accumulation of God's thoughts alongside God-inspired analogies. They were originally providing devotions for a monthly ladies' luncheon. Joan, who are your target readers? Who are you speaking to with this book? This book is definitely targeting Christians, young and old alike, written during a time in my life that my daughter was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin lymphoma cancer. Mm -hmm. I felt it interesting. This book is titled Walking in the Footsteps of Christ. But when the publishing company gave me a cover, they were footprints and not footsteps. And this bothered me. Knowing the importance of matching the right words used in the title with book cover, I was trying to provide reason for the difference. Again, footsteps versus footprints. I then referred to the last line in my book, referring to my prayer to God already written months prior. Dear Lord, I place this book in your hand as my footsteps become footprints for generations to come. Meaning when these writings came to me, I was living in the now moment represented by footsteps. But once these thoughts were published and in the reader's hands, they became footprints for generations to follow. Joan, when it comes to writing, being published, have you ever done this before or is this your first published one? No, I wrote a book in 2013, Reflections, Memoirs Reflecting God's Word. Hmm. About how long of a process are we talking here for walking in the footsteps of Christ? Was it a long time to write and publish? About six years. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a long time or not, but it was six years. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to your personal life experiences, everything you've been through up until this, Joan, how did that work its way into this book? As I just mentioned, my daughter had cancer, and I was ready to place my gift of writing aside so I could attend 100% to my daughter and her needs. As a mother, any mother could identify with that. At the same time, there was an opening for a facilitator to a ladies' luncheon, which met once a month. And it was as if God said, if you lead this group, writing a devotional once a month and sharing it with the ladies, as well as calling them during the course of the month, I will take care of your daughter. I did, and he did. At the time, I didn't realize the outcome of Amy's bout with cancer, but I knew that I knew that I knew and trusted that God would see her through. And he has and continues to walk beside and within her, guiding her as he is guiding me. Joan, oftentimes when you're driven to write, it also means you're a bit of a reader. So what kinds of things do you like to read? I prefer reading Christian material and especially the Bible. Mm. There's a lot of Christian material out there, fiction and nonfiction alike. So that gives me a lot of reading material to draw upon. However, I generally don't go outside this genre when I actually sit down and read a book cover to cover. Do you find that what you're reading influences what you're writing? No, they don't, with the exception of scripture found in the Bible. Allow me to go back to my first God-inspired prayer. Dear God, give me the thoughts and I will think them. 
Give me the words and I will save them. Give me the deeds and I will do them. Give me the love for Jesus Christ and I will share him. Once praying that heartfelt prayer, I began diligently reading his words and for the first time taking my Christian walk seriously and the writings began. When you think about all the time and all the hard work that you put into something like this, Joan, now what's the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? Well, I have a teacher's heart. I have begun a reader circle where readers come to our house and we read reflections, memoirs reflecting God's word and walking in the footsteps of Christ aloud alongside a new devotional which God is giving me each month. I find reading aloud is a lost art and a mental exercise, such as listening to a book exercises our sense to listen to the words behind the message that the author is conveying. And as a published author, I am using my own books to serve in this teaching. How awesome is that? Again, it's titled, Walking in the Footsteps of Christ. It's written by Joan Rishmail and published by the Audiobook Network, so go over to Audible or iTunes or Amazon and you'll be able to pick it up. Well, Joan, I just got to thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about this book. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Corey, thank you very much. And you know what? You did make this process a lot easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> If you're stressed out and at the end of your rope, the book I'm looking at right now is going to be for you. It's titled Lift, Lord Increase Faith Today, 125-Day Prayer Devotional. This is written by L. Elliot Abraham, Rosemarie Abraham, Angela Abraham, Carl Scott, and Jackie Scott. And one of the co-authors, Elliot, is with me now, and we get to find out more about this book. Elliot, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you, Corey. Thank you so very much for having me. The pleasure's all mine. I'm interested in this book, Lift. Elliot, can you tell me about it? Absolutely, Corey. So I am the pastor and founder of a ministry called Elevating Faith Ministries. And we were founded during the pandemic when everybody was home. No one was going into the sanctuary much anymore. And we found that the Lord placed it upon our heart to start this ministry called Elevating Faith Ministries. And it was during our end-of-year fast that we were fasting during Advent season. And the Lord spoke to me clearly that there are people who are struggling in their faith and they need a faith lift. Some people go to the aesthetic and they'll get a faith lift. But the Lord told me that people need a faith lift. Mm. So he just put that word into my spirit, lift. Lord, increase faith today, which becomes a prayer and a daily affirmation. So every day for two years, all of the leaders at Elevating Faith Ministries, we were assigned to write a prayer on our mobile app, and every prayer had to end with, Lord, increase faith today. Now, the leaders at that time, they didn't know that God had spoken to me and told me that this would ultimately become a book. They were just praying. They were just praying as the Lord gave them utterance. But ultimately, when we were done, we have the book, which is a very anointed book, 125-day prayer devotional which will guide individuals who are struggling with what to pray, how to pray, when to pray, what to say. This is what this book is for. Elliot, how long was this book in the making? What was the kind of time period we're talking about? The book was in the making, Corey, for a little over two years. We actually have enough material for a volume two. We, we're preparing hmm. volume two right now, but this book was in the works for over two years. Every day we pray focused, focused prayers. And then the prayers, we started to write the prayers, add the devotional content along with it, 
because the Lord was just letting me know that this is what this book was going to be. It's designed to bless people who are struggling in their faith. And that's what Lift is all about. Lord, increase faith today. When it comes to writing and the publishing thing, Elliot, have you ever been involved in that before? Or is this a new thing for you? The publishing aspect, yes. Writing, no. I've actually written a couple of other books. My wife is an author. She's written some a, a book, and we're in the process of getting some of her works published now. But writing is not new. Publishing this book via Christian Faith Publishing, that was a new process. Yeah, there's so much involved in the publishing end of things. Elliot, what was the most challenging part of that for you? I think the most challenging part for me, Corey, was I'm an individual. I like to see the finish line. And during the the publishing process, I did not necessarily know how long the process was going to be, but ultimately it was well worth it. So I think that the writing of the book was the easy part. (laughs) When you're writing a book and then you're getting a book published, the writing and creating the manuscript to me was the easy part. Writing and editing, all of that was easy. And after all that time and hard work that you put into this, that day came and you finally got that first copy, Elliot. What was that like to hold that thing? Oh, my goodness. Wow. It was like, I don't know, for for anyone out there who are parents, in the first time you saw your bundle of joy, that's kind of what this felt like. It was real. I know that I had heard the Lord clearly to tell me that this would be a book. And that was a Hebrews 11 in one moment for me. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This was the fullness, the manifestation of Hebrews 11 and 1 come to life in my hands as I held that book. Again, the title is Lift, Lord Increase Faith Today, 125-Day Prayer Devotional. It's written by L. Elliot Abraham, Rosemary Abraham, Angela Abraham, Carl Scott, and Jackie Scott and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can pick it up anywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Elliot, it's been really wonderful talking with you today and learning all about your ministry and about your work. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you for having me. The new book just hit stores by Mandy Zundel. It's titled The Happy Ending, And I get to find out all about it now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The author, Mandy, is joining me. Mandy, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Mandy, can you tell me about what readers can expect when they open up the happy ending? Well, it's a book about a land where fairy tales are real. And it's been driven by this spell called the happy ending for millennia. So they built their entire society on the premise that everything will just work out and the happy ending will just take care of everything. But then it breaks and they have to figure out how to live with everything. And all of the repeating fairy tales that the happy ending has made go over and over aren't following the prescribed patterns and they don't know what to do. I love it. That's really interesting. Mandy, what inspired this story? Where'd you get this idea? Well, I've always really loved fairy tales. But I've also always really wondered about the very conveniently placed people that you think, how on earth did that person know that? (laughs) Like, for example, the guy with the magic beans, where on earth did he get those beans? And why is he giving them to some random kid in the forest? Mm. (laughs) So I always wondered about that sort of thing. And then one night I had a dream about it 
where I was in this land where fairy tales are real and all of these conveniently placed people disappeared and everyone was freaking out. So when I started writing a story, that's what I based it on. Mandy, what sorts of readers do you think would be really into it? It's about middle-aged to young adults, but I've read it many, many times going over it for errors and, you know, it took up till 20 times. What does your writing background look like? Did you do any writing or publishing prior to this? This is actually my first book I have ever published. I did a short story in college in French class because it was an assignment. But other than that, I just I would occasionally write short stories for myself and for my family. Being your first long form one, did it take you a long time to do to both write it and put it through those publishing processes? Took about a year to write. And then the publishing took about 15 months. So it takes a while. And when it came to that publishing end of things, what did you find the most challenging part of it for you? Well, really being completely new to everything, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to do. I made a couple of mistakes that I won't make next time. <laughs> so next time I'll have more people read it before you just send it to the publisher. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way. Do you have any other advice that you could throw out there to the authors out there just starting out? One thing that I stumbled on accidentally that really helped me is my daughter was very interested in the book and she would always ask me, you know, have you written any more? And she would read it aloud to me. Then I could listen to how it sounded. And that helped me a lot with editing because it sounds good in your head and on a page, but when somebody else reads it, that made a really big difference for me. Oh, I like that. Well, it must have been a special moment for you when you opened up your mailbox that one day and there it was, your first copy of the happy ending. You got to hold it finally. What was that like? Not going to lie. I cried a little bit. Mm. It was awesome. I was, it was just, yeah, hard to put into words, but mostly, yeah, there was a lot of crying. Mandy, do you think you would do it again? Do you think you have another book in you? I'm actually working on another one that's completely unrelated, but yeah, I'm working on it. I don't even know if it's done yet. So many of us authors, sometimes when we sit down to write, we really want to write, but boom, writer's block hits you and it's the worst. Oh, yes. uh, do you deal with that kind of thing? Absolutely. I did that several times in The Happy Ending. What I would do is I'd try to at least write a sentence even just a sentence to keep going. And what helped more is my kids are really into like role-playing type games and stuff like that. So mm. they would have me tell them where I was stuck and then they would go, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? Or yeah. I'd say, I'm considering this or this. Which one sounds better to you? <laughs> so they gave me a lot of input. Oh, wonderful. I think so many people are going to be into this book. What a fascinating story. Again, it's titled The Happy Ending. It's written by Mandy Zundel and published by Covenant Books. So you can find it everywhere that you normally go to pick up your books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Oh, Mandy, it's been really nice talking with you today and finding out all about the happy ending. I had a really nice time. Well, thank you. I had a nice time as well. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting down with author Sue Kleinhusen. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's so exciting. The book is titled Grandma and Me. It just came out. Sue, can you tell me more about it? This book is based on a true event. It's a compassionate story in which a grandma and her seven-year-old granddaughter both have the diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis. Delilah, the main character of the book, is struggling to understand the importance of managing her health condition 
And she begins to feel different about herself, that she's different from her peers to the point where it starts to affect her self-esteem. So this prompted me to write this book and to be used as an educational tool for her, as well as for children who share the diagnosis. And the book describes the ins and outs of living with psoriatic arthritis. It talks about what's happening to their bodies, what they might be able to do to make it better. It talks about the types of doctors that may be involved, as well as available treatments, educates the children on the importance of getting enough sleep, eating a balanced diet, getting regular exercise, and it also teaches them how to protect their skins. And of course, any child who has this condition experiences a lot of emotions and concerns, and it discusses that as well. Hmm. Sue, what inspired you to write this? Where'd you get the idea? Well, it was from my granddaughter. She was really struggling with it, and I looked for information about it so that I could use as a teaching tool for her. And all I found was books that were geared for older readers, and they talked just mainly about arthritis. And psoriatic arthritis is a take of two different conditions, psoriasis and arthritis. And so I thought, I'm just going to write a book about it and help her as well as help other children that may have this same complex condition. How long of a process was this for you, clear up till it got published? Well, I'm kind of a thinker, and so I had been thinking about it for quite a while. And when I actually had the time to sit down and put it on paper, it took me about four and a half months where I would work on it. I'd go leave it for about a week, come back, reread everything, reword a few things so it could flow or kind of make more sense to me and possibly my readers. And then from that point, It went to Christian Faith Publishing, and they accepted it right away. I was blessed with that. After that, it took about eight months of corresponding and working with the company before it became a reality and became published. And I'd like to give a shout out to Jessica Meyer and Jordan Funkhauser, who gently guided me through the process. They and their coworkers are like angels walking among us. It is a very, very good company to work with. I had never written a book before, and I just said, I want to go with a Christian company because I feel they won't take advantage of me. They'll be honest if it's worthy of being published or not. And it was a very worthwhile opportunity for me. You just said the publishing end of things took about twice as long as it took to actually write the book. So when it comes to the publishing thing, what did you find the most challenging aspect of that for you? Probably marketing. Mm. (laughs) because it was out of my range of experiences, I guess. And so it's all new to me. Sometimes the technology aspect of things can be a challenge to me. I once even had my computer teacher in college, and I went back to school as an adult, but the computer teacher said, oh, I've never seen a computer do that before. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) When my book was accepted, I said, please find me someone very patient who can guide me through this process because I might need a little extra help when it comes to the electronic part of things. Looking ahead, do you see yourself doing it again, maybe writing and publishing another? I do. I have a few things going through my mind right now to generate for another book, but I'm going to choose to keep that under wraps until we meet again in the future. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people are going to be encouraged and blessed by this book. Again, it's titled Grandma and Me. It's written by Sue Kleinhusen, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can get it anywhere. Go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find it. 
Sue, it's been really wonderful talking with you tonight and learning about Grandma and me. I had a really nice time. I did, too, and I want to thank you again for helping me to promote the book. I hope it gets in the hands of the kids that could use it. Returning to the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm really happy to welcome author Mark Ira Krausman. Mark, welcome. Thanks for being here again. Yeah, thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here always, you know. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Mark, and it's really exciting. You have another book out titled Jeremiah's Path to Confirmation and his pocketbook of 7, 9 plus 3. Mark, can you tell me about this? Well, it's my third one. If you remember, my first two books were a series, were A Day and a Life and a Life Lived. And this is my third book that has a character by the name of Jeremiah. And he has a mother who is a deacon in the church. And it is his mother's desire by her own intuitive idea to, for confirmation to come know the seven gifts and nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. But there's three more. That is his discovery and keeps a little pocketbook and notations as he goes through a day. And it's an interactive book, Corey. You know, I I made notations, I suppose, like a (laughs) (laughs) 12-year-old. And uh, as he was making notations as his paper route that Saturday morning and all the people on his route, I made notations. And so in this book, any child an interactive book, can and make uh, notations, just as Jeremiah did, and search for the seven gift and the nine fruit plus three, like our uh, character Jeremiah. So very excited, an interactive book, beautiful. Did you have a specific reading audience that you were speaking to here, Mark? Yeah, you know, I write for like nine to 15 years of age, but they're good for, you know, the young and the old to be read to. You know, the lessons are very strong and deals with humanitarianism, morality in life, and in general, just proper upbringing. Hmm. Now, once you got to work on Jeremiah's Path to Confirmation, how long of a process was this for you up until it was published and it got out? You know, we've been paddling now for a while, Corey. <laughs> you write the book, you think about it, and then you write it the second time to see what your mind's eye sees for the reader. So, you, you know, for the illustrator, you write it again. But it's, a, it's been over a three-year process to get here, you know. I write to go to number one, and I believe I've written number one books for the Lord. But I have to learn this lesson myself as an author, especially an independent writer, you know, to, how to market. Mm. You know, the writing, you know, is given, but, you know, I must learn to market now so I can take what's been given to me to where it needs to go now, you know. Now, in between the writing and the marketing, you have the whole publishing process, and there's a lot involved in there, Mark. Uh, What do you find the most challenging part of the publishing end of things for you? Well, you got to have patience and don't be anxious for anything. You know, whatever you give, this is my advice. You're working with an editor and, you know, you you meet the criteria and they say, you know, we'll we'll accept your manuscript, but give it to them the best that you can. I don't use AI. Hmm. So, but there's other things out there on the internet that you can use to help your spelling and your professional writing. And I use all of those tools. You have to be a good proofreader. You have to do the best you can. And so it doesn't take such a lengthy time because the corrections will come back, you know. So you want to be the best you can once you submit. Mark, you mentioned more in the future that you're working on. Can you tell me about that? So I carry probably now six to seven books in my head. We're moving to adult fiction. 
And it's something that I had thought the process, I think it was Christmas Eve 2018, I found a notation on it. And uh, I, I write in borders and pieces, Corey, and everything's together and assembled. And now it's just time to start the story. That's really exciting. Well, I know the readers are really going to be into this book. I encourage people listening right now to check it out. Again, the title is Jeremiah's Path to Confirmation and his pocketbook of 7, 9 plus 3. It's written by Mark Ira Krausman, published by Covenant Books. So pick it up at Amazon, pick it up at Barnes & Noble, pick it up at iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. As always, Mark, it's been really wonderful talking with you. Thanks again for joining me. Yeah, you know, I'm excited. You know, again, you know, I want to thank you, Corey, for just a short moment. It speaks so much. But I hope that the readers out there, you know, who love to read and have children, give me a shot. I think you won't be disappointed, and God bless. I'm looking at a book here right now that's written to encourage those who are lost and broken. It's titled Broken But Healed, and it's written by Dolores Stokes. And we're going to talk all about this book. Dolores is sitting right here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dolores, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. No problem. Dolores, can you tell me what you've written about here in Broken But Healed? It's about a young girl who grew up in South Carolina who experienced pain and suffering at the hands of people she trusted. And this book is to encourage those who are lost and broken that there's hope for the future and that to let them know that their past doesn't define where they came from. Dolores, were you writing for a specific reading audience or were you writing for a broad readership here? I guess it's for like to the ones that were lost and broken like I was. Mm. I'm trying to reach and gain Minnesota, those spirits, those souls, gain Minnesota's there was that young and, well, it's, I guess it's for older and young. Mm. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so everybody has something to gain from this book. Yes, sir. Well, Dolores, can you tell me how you got the idea or how you were inspired to start this book, to write it? Wow, what inspired me to write this book? Oh, God. To the losing of my dad in 2006 at the age of 30. Wow. I went through a moment of depression and I was lost. He was like my hero. And being lost, listening to folks that telling you that as a child, you're never going to be anybody. You, you never amount to anything. Mm. And I start, and being a person, it does something to you. You start to believe what they say to you, to where you believe God does not want anything to do with you. But God found me in that post office. That's a part of my book. <laughs> After losing my dad, I never wanted anything to do with God because I thought he did not want it, nothing to do with me during that time. And I was depressed. I was hurt. Even though when I everything I experienced when I was a child, I was lost. I was very broken. And like I said, this book can help others who have faced challenging situations in their lives, just like I experienced. They can find healing and restoration through faith. And Broken But Healed speaks directly to those who have been through heartbreak, loss, love, and loss of a loved one, a difficult situation. Because like I said, I went through a challenging period in my life where I felt broken and defeated. However, I found strength. I found strength in God. And healing in God. Dolores, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you done much of that prior to this? I used to write, write poems. I used to just write, sit and write. I lo always loved writing. But one day God say, write your testimony. Tell your testimony, how you was broken and how I heal you. So I sit down, I, I sit down. I was going to school during this time and I was having these bad headaches. And God say, stop doing your work. Write your book. Because I started my book in 2006. He said, sit down. Stop doing your work and finish a book. And I finished my book that day. 
Oh, wow. That day I finished my book. And then I passed the class that I was taking. It's like God is doing amazing things in my life. And I have all these wild moments, the stuff that God did in my life. And that's why now, but like, that's why now, but healed, like, but healed, the middle part, but healed. It reinforces the belief in God's ability to mend and transform brokenness. And that's why I developed a hunger and thirst for God's word, because I was broken and he molded me to become the mighty woman of God that I am today. When it comes to the publishing end of things, there's a lot involved in all of that. Dolores, what did you find the most challenging part of that for you? Oh, when it comes to Poe, going back, <laughs> well, it was it was okay. The, it was, how can I put it? Going back and reading what you write and <laughs> reading what you write and you write this, they done write this so many times. <laughs> you know, went back and read and write this so many times in your mind and everything. That was mostly the main part, the, the biggest part of it. Going back and just reading <laughs> and you done write it out and you got to go back and read and make sure it's right. But otherwise, it was great. So looking down the road, do you see yourself publishing more? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> mm, fantastic. Are you working on anything currently, or are you just sort of writing this first one out? It's a sequel after this one. Well, I know a lot of people are going to be helped and blessed by the pages of this book, and I encourage everybody listening to seek it out. Again, the title is Broken But Healed. It's written by Dolores Stokes and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you'll be able to get this one. Dolores, thank you so much again for coming on the show and telling me your story. I had a really nice time. Thank you, and I love you. <laughs> thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.